Somebody say the word glory. Glory. This isn't a part of our message this morning, but the Holy Spirit was reminding me of a scripture that I've been meditating on in 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 3, and it said, And even if our gospel is veiled, somebody say veiled. Veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. How glorious is our King? Oh, real glorious. Very. Some Some would see Him more glorious than others, depending on the manifestation of the glory that you've experienced. This is the heart behind our message. This is what we're talking about this morning. I understand that when we start messages, typically it takes us a minute to hone in. We like to eat our donuts. We like to think about lunch. We're not going to do any of that this morning. We're going to focus in on his glory. You can feel God's people beginning to turn their gaze towards the face of the Father. We must remain His burning ones, just as the Levites were instructed to uh, perpetuate the fire on the altar that it might never go out. Is your fire burning? Have you seen the glory of God? Because if you have, your life is going to be changed forever. Our hope today is to ignite a corporate flame of longing for a great, a great an even greater manifestation of His presence. An encounter that creates a paradigm shift. Does anybody know what that is? Your life upside down. Your life flipped upside down, completely changed. Even your mom could see the change in you. (laughs) Within His beloved people, God is working still. And we must grow our expectation and hunger for these things. First, I'd like to note some biblical examples of impact that left men forever changed. Are y'all ready for this? First one, Genesis 32. Jacob wrestles with God and comes out with a new walk and a new name. Think about this one in Exodus chapter 3. Go ahead. (laughs) Moses at the encounter of the burning bush receives the word to lead Israel out of captivity. 1 Samuel 3, in a time where the voice of God was rare, Samuel was granted ears that could hear and became a prophet, aided in establishing David's throne. Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah is called as a boy to become a prophet to the nations, similar to Isaiah, Ezekiel, and many other minor prophets on the behalf of Israel. You also see this many times in the Gospels, many encounter Jesus the leper in Matthew 8, the paralytic in Matthew 9. The two blind men, the two women of the issue, or the issue, the woman with the issue of the blood, the demon-possessed man standing outside the city, and many others who are encountered to Christ with the transformative power of his spirit. Think about this one in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John heal the beggar standing at the gate called Beautiful. He leaves as a physical testimony of God, the healer, and can now walk and carry on in life. Who likes Paul's letters? Acts 9, Saul, blinded by God, was marked for his causes and becomes Paul the apostle. Listen, saints, that's just a few examples. There's hundreds. And you are examples of it. Amen. Amen. Have you been impacted by the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you a secret today. 
It's not the only time. It's not the last time. It's time to get impacted again. Come on, who can recall and remember a time where they were marked by the Spirit of God? Oh, yeah. Some of you haven't been yet, and today's your day. Let me tell you this this morning. Our expectation must rise, and our preparation must rise. All these men and women received a mark from God, and that mark dictated their lives moving forward. Every step that we take must be impacted by God. We're not, we're not yielding to our own feelings anymore. We're not, no, we have seen the glory of God and we can't help but walk differently now. Amen. Amen. So turn to your Bibles in 2 Corinthians 3.16 and say there when you're there. All right, First, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You also see this back when we just talked about in Exodus 3 where Moses was walking by the burning bush. He had to stop and stare and had to behold what was taking place. Otherwise, it would have missed him. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, their veil is taken away. We just read in 2 Corinthians that the message of the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. Church, do you realize that if you ever want to experience his glory, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there they enter the kingdom of God. Jesus came for the broken to make them whole. Listen, we see a couple things in 2 Corinthians 3. We turn our face to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's only the spirit of God who can do it. And the spirit of God always brings freedom. Hallelujah. With unveiled faces, an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Somebody say Spirit. Spirit. We are as imagers and reflectors of the glory of the Lord. And the Spirit helps us take the first step towards ever-increasing glory. The corporate outpouring of the Spirit on all of his people, has to be the goal. Listen, today, the point of this message that we're preaching to you is not just another fired-up altar call. It's not just another fuzzy feeling. It's not us coming up here, crying, and then doing the same thing that we did the week before. We have to have his glory. We have to experience his glory as Moses experienced his glory on the mountain. The point of today's message is this. Correct personal preparation and correct inward expectation leads to a corporate outpouring. Correct personal preparation. We're going to explain what this means. But note this. It's preparation and expectation. This is what we're going to walk through today. Leads to a corporate outpouring. 
Not only do we want you to turn your face to him, but let it be said of us that our face is turned towards him. Amen. This is the goal of today's message. I'm not just talking about personal revival, though everyone needs it. I'm, called, I'm talking about corporate revival. Not the tokened revival. No, the real kind. The kind that people get up and do something with the impact that they just received. The corporate outpouring of his spirit on his people is the goal. But is it yours? If it was your goal this morning, then you would have been prepared. If it was, if it is, was your expectation this morning, then it would have taken place. Church, we have to get things right. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. It says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories. When we, somebody say we. we. Told about the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we, somebody say we. We, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Let it be that in this place that we move far past stories of a king to come, but let it be that we are eyewitnesses of his glory, of his glory and majesty. These men, they had conviction and they had authority and it, became, it came from beholding the majesty of Christ. And let it be today that that's the only place that we ever get our authority from from our gravitas from, our weight, our authority has to come from him alone. Did you see the detail there? We made it very clear. Paul does not describe his miraculous encounter with the majesty of Christ as just his own, but it was their encounter. Remnant, we have to have our encounter with the majesty of Christ. It's not... Pastor Kaysen's encounter. It's not Pastor Michael's encounter. It's not Caleb or Dylan's encounter that they had in their prayer closet. Though we must have those encounter twos, we all must have an encounter. Ephesians 3. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. We see here in this letter that Paul was an advocate of the corporate manifestation of the Spirit. It says that to some it was veiled and to some it was unveiled. But today we are seeking that all would have their eyes lifted and shown upon his glorious riches. How deep is his love? We have to understand that if we ask, how far can we actually see? How far can we actually go? What are your expectations? Paul himself is used as an apostle to bring order to a spirit-filled people. He's saying, how do we do this thing? 
the way he explains it is we are all responsible within ourselves to begin to yearn for an outpouring of the Lord. It should sound familiar to the one of Moses. Check this out. Exodus 33. Moses said, please show me your glory. <laughs> we, talk, we talk about Exodus 33 all the time. This is the cry of our, this church. Yeah. Please show us your glory, Lord. We can't live without it. Yeah. What if we all walked in this expectation? Please show me your glory. Men like Moses live by the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. A people marked by God, led by a pillar of fire by day and a cloud by fire by night. Cloud by night. Moses was unwilling to move forward out of captivity if it didn't mean the manifest presence of God being with him. Moses said, please show me your glory. Every single one of us have to have that cry. Church, we want to lead you in two points today leading to one goal. Number one, correct personal rep preparation is key for a corporate outpouring of the Spirit. And number two, corporate or correct inward expectation leads to a corporate outpouring of the Spirit. You have the preparation for what's to come, and you have the expectation for what is going to come. Amen. First, we want to talk about personal preparation and what that looks like and the representation of it in the Word. Our preparation is for a wedding banquet. Somebody say wedding banquet. wedding banquet. All throughout the parable of Jesus, we see wedding day imagery. Amen? Amen? And in Revelation 19, it is made clear that there will be a final wedding supper of the Lamb. That has not yet taken place. But we are all rehearsing it right now. You need to note that point. Revelation 19, there's the last supper, wedding feast of the Lamb. But we are rehearsing for that day right now. Let's turn to Matthew 22. And say there when you're there. You know, we speak in church, so... Matthew 21, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who have been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he said, some more servants, sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened calf have been slaughtered. Let's eat. And everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. So we see here. 
that the king sends out invites, that he is, is this mic really hot? I'm sorry. It's kind of like, okay, good. It's like, Ooh. <laughs> we see that the king sends out invites, that the servants went out to invite the people, and, and the response of the people are this, I'm disinterested, I don't want to come. There's other people who killed the servants. They don't like the message so much so. Wow. Isn't that wild? Verse 7. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to a banquet anyone you find. So the servant went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. Somebody say good and bad. Good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man. Somebody say a man. A man. There was who had, uh, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get into in here without wedding clothes. The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him out into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Who's ever read this parable before? Who's ever read this parable and said, I don't know what it means. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Hopefully, some of the revelation that God has given us this morning will help paint a picture of what this parable could mean. Um, it is what has spoken to us this morning. Here we see a king throwing a wedding banquet for his son. Oh, yeah. You got the king and the son. Yeah. There are guests invited by the king's servants. Many paid no attention to the invitations and others killed the king's servants delivering the message. Later we see a second invitation and now we have a banquet full of good and bad. This is a corporate gathering, you could say, just as we're talking about corporate outpouring this morning. This is a corporate gathering. There are many people, many different uh, ways of life, some good, some bad, but they're all together here for what? A wedding banquet. Yes. The king notices instantly a man who is not wearing his wedding clothes. Up to this point, we can assume a couple of things about this man as we read the text. Number one, he received the invitation. Yeah. And two, he accepted the invitation and was there. So to this point, he was there. To this point, he showed up. He didn't kill the servants. He didn't go focus on his other businesses. He heeded the word, the invitation, and was at the banquet. He shows up for the banquet but he was not dressed in wedding clothes. I must admit, church, for a long time, this parable confused me. And many times I ended up skipping past it. He was there. He accepted the invitation. What's with these wedding clothes? Church, I believe the significance of this parable has to do with the significance of the bride preparing herself for the groom. We all together make up the bride of Christ, right? Yeah. Jesus is the groom awaiting his bride, dressed and ready for the day. 
and the king is our maker who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. The wedding banquet today represents the manifestation of his glory. You have been invited, the good and the bad. Looks like a church where sinners come. Not a bunch of righteous people. All come. All are invited. And they're coming in. The bride, which was not mentioned in this parable directly, is the church, is the guests, and the man, or the groom, is the Christ. The Father has invited all of us to a wedding banquet, and all of us must have our wedding clothes on, or else we'll be thrown out. Because who comes to a wedding without their wedding clothes on? Let's make some practical parallels for you this morning, church. You can stand in a place where his glory is manifesting itself to his people, not miss a Sunday or a Thursday night, yet not be dressed with the readiness to receive it. Why was it so important that you had wedding clothes on? Because you were at a wedding feast. He showed up without his clothes on, and he gets thrown out. How many times do we show up here without the readiness for the Holy Spirit to do a work? How many times in our preparation, which is what we're talking about right now, are we not preparing ourselves for the right garments to enter into the glory of God? We're walking in, and we're wondering, I see him get moved on. I see him getting moved on. But I'm not. Where's your wedding clothes? What preparations did you make once receiving the invitation? And what excitement? What bride shows up to a wedding without the wedding dress on? No one, because she's ready to receive her groom. But if we and ourselves have any audacity to show up to a wedding feast... Without our wedding clothes on, what does it say about our anticipation for the groom to come? Caleb, let's read Matthew 25. Yeah, so turn to Matthew 25. We're going to read 1 through 13. We're going to give you guys some practical examples going forward on how to prepare yourselves uh, while also challenging you. All right, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five are wise. This is important. Keep this in mind as we go forward. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a, long, was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Oh, yeah. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to the store and who, or go to those who sell oil, the market at the time, and buy some for yourselves. But while they were there on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom had already arrived. The virgins who were ready and went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied to them, truly, I tell you, I, know, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, 
because you don't know the day or the hour. Saints, this morning we're coming to tell you that you must prepare yourselves individually for the coming of, for the wedding feast of the coming of our groom. As a bride, we must be prepared. We cannot be sleeping and waiting for someone else to do it for us. Uh, let's start by answering this question. Why must we as individuals prepare ourselves for the manifestation of his glory or the coming uh, or the seating of the uh, wedding feast? Because if we don't, we will miss out on what God is trying to do around us. Oh, no. When everyone else is getting hit by the Spirit, when God is moving in the midst of everybody else, you may be left out. God desires for all people, Amen. for all of you, to be saved and to participate in the feast with his bride. And we desire that for you too. Here's an example. Taking a lamp without oil is like taking your phone with it not being charged. If we bring a valuable tool but do not bring the accessories necessary to accomplish the work, then we have failed the entire job. Or in this case, you will fail in the preparation to participate with everyone else in the wedding feast, our groom, with Yeshua. You have to be prepared individually so that you can participate when he comes corporately. This time, this, the time to be prepared for our groom is now, not later. You're not promised tomorrow. You're promised today. Do not be caught sleeping lest you miss the feast with our groom. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Come on. And stay there when you're there. I'm there. There. Amen. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to, this, even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is, visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as, not as unwise, but as wise. Come on. Make sure you bring your oil with your lamp. Be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of the living God. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, our body, out of reverence for him. The purpose of a burning lamp is for the groom to see the bride prepared and waiting. If you're standing outside with a lamp in your hand, you can only see so far away. But everyone around you that you can't see can see you. The groom can see the bride, but the bride cannot see the groom until he comes near. And so unless your lamp is burning and you are prepared, you will not see him coming near. Let's think about that for a minute. We're getting trashed over this point right here. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're going to sit on it for a second. You light your lamp in anticipation for your bridegroom to come. But you don't know he's coming until he's face to face. Yeah. But we came with expectation. And he came and answered our expectation. And now, face to face, we see him coming from the darkness into the light. In this imagery, we see the bridegroom face to face. 
Amen. Saints, what are you doing with your time? Are you preparing your lamp for the groom? Or are you sleeping and expecting someone else to do it for you? Are you bringing your lamp and your oil? Or are you waiting for someone else to bring the oil for you, missing the opportunity when he comes? You are accountable for yourself. But here's the good news. We're here to help you help prepare you. Amen. Here are five ways to personally prepare yourself in Scripture for the wedding feast that we see in, the, in Ephesians. We're going to take these slowly, take out your journals. Yeah. This is preparation. Y'all are like, well, what does it mean? It's like, this is what it means. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Number one, do not participate in works of darkness, but instead be filled with his spirit. Amen. Number two. Expose the evil in you so that you may be healed. Number three, let your life be worshiped to the Lord. Amen. Not just your words, but your life. Preparation. And number four, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And number five, obey the Lord your God, all that he has commanded. As individuals, it is our responsibility when we find ourselves in the midst of a wedding banquet by way of invite to be dressed in the right clothing. Amen. This is our personal preparation. We receive the invite, but it's our job to show up to the wedding banquet with our clothes properly worn. The wedding banquet is not the place to get changed at. It's the place to walk into prepared. Remember, we are not the man undressed in this story, but the bride, the body of Christ who had prepared herself. If you are not prepared, then you are not participating in the wedding. We will walk through today how this right preparation leads to standing with eager expectation. And that eager expectation leads to a manifestation of our bridegroom, his appearance, his glory, the depth of his love. That's what his manifestation is. We see in Matthew 25, the virgins went to buy oil because they desired to participate, but the bridegroom showed up at an hour they did not expect. The analogy here that this is referring to is that the... Um, the bride would have placed a lamp on her window seal. And it needed to be burning in order for the groom to know she was ready. Well, she couldn't see him, but he could see her. So if it wasn't ready, then the bridegroom is simply going to pass by. The bridegroom came at an hour they did not expect. In order for him to come, we must be the lamps that Revelation talks about. That he walked in the midst of the burning lampstands. He's not going to come if you do not expect him to and if you have not prepared yourself for it. That's a good word. In 1 Samuel 13, Saul offers a sacrifice at the wrong time because he did not know when Samuel would return. The entire kingdom is stripped from him and given to another person. Do not let that be you today. The one who did not properly prepare himself and set the right expectations. And so the kingdom is stripped from you and he passes you by. 
because your lamp was not burning. If you do not take the responsibility of personally preparing yourselves, how could the wedding banquet, the manifestation of his glory, enter into this body as a whole? It's not just to one, but to the whole. He walks among these seven lampstands. That is multiple. And you know what the manifestation of that was? John fell at his feet as though dead. And the Lord heals him from his fear. Let's go. Get him the revelation of Jesus Christ. How could you expect any transformation, any manifestation to occur while hiding in sin like Ephesians 5? Brother Caleb was telling us about. This sermon is designed to help you to have him draw near. We have to properly prepare ourselves, which leads to right expectation, which leads to a manifestation or an outpouring for all of us. This is our desire. We can't see him right now. He's in the dark. But if he draws near, it's like it's face to face. That's our desire here. Some will take this message seriously and some will not. In the same light, some will experience his glory and some will not. What are we shooting for today? Today is going to be a corporate outpouring of the Spirit of God. Yes. That all of us would be forever changed by his manifestation. That you would enter into a lifelong covenant with him as he draws near to you. And he will trim your wicks and we will burn for eternity in his presence. Come on, let's reflect a little bit. How many have you struggled within the presence of God lately? Asking, Lord, Lord, where are you? Me. Man, I remember times, uh, as we can all recount, everybody has those moments they can recount. Man, I remember when I was this close to the Lord. I remember whenever I had this type of encounter with the Lord. It was, this season was so sweet. This time was so awesome. It was so amazing. What changed? Is it our preparation? Is it our expectation? Is his glory not so glorious anymore to us? Well, let me tell you the truth. His glory could never be less glorious than it is right now. It's the way that we perceive him. It's our expectation. It's our preparation that gets in the way. Man, I remember times in the car where I'm just bawling. I got to pull over on the road. I got to pull over. I can't even drive. I remember a time where Jamie was there. I was bawling my eyes out, and Jamie starts crying too. I didn't even tell her what was going on. I was just getting moved by the Lord. I remember times, which when we're going to get into the message, what this looks like and the expectation, where everybody in the room could not get off the floor. Listen, we have this kind of this thing in our hearts where we're afraid to enter into the presence of God. Because it messes up all of our expectations. I see a lot in the church that there's a characteristics that when we try to enter into the presence of God, all it really turns out to be is kind of like a funeral service. It's kind of solemn. It's sad. It's like it feels so sad in here. Dude, the glory of God is never meant to make you sad. It's always meant to rejuvenate you. If there's any solemnness, it's because we can't speak. Because he's so holy. We're trying to replicate things that we see, but we don't have the heart to actually dive in. Yeah. That's right. That's good. 
There's so many times where we're trying to replicate this glorious moment, but the, the majestic king's not being worshipped. We're worshipping ourselves. We're worshipping our circumstances. We're worshipping our own sin. We're not worshipping the king in that moment. That's a funeral service. We're going for the wedding banquet today. The wedding banquet. Yeah. Psalms 24, verse 3. It says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Come on. I love I love repentance. I love public repentance. But let me tell you, if the first time that you repent is at a corporate meeting, you don't do that at a wedding feast. You should have had your clothes on. We got to break this habit in the church today. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not uplift his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Come on, these are people who are walking in salvation, not condemnation. These are people who are walking with pure hands, a clean heart, who have been washed in the labor. And they are ready with their garments on because we're about to celebrate a feast. This is what corporate meetings look like. It has to change. Six. Such is the generation of those who seek it, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. The King of Glory may come in. Amen. Where are your eyes? Where are they fixed? I feel like so many people in this church do this. Whenever he's right here, again, I lead worship so many times. I lead you guys in worship all the time. And sometimes I feel like Moses in the wilderness whenever we just got a deliverance and we're walking through out of Egypt. And then a few days later, we're grumbling and complaining because we don't have water. We go to a pool. It's bitter, and everybody's complaining. Where is the water? Where's the water at? I said, I don't know. I don't know where the water is. But the Lord shows me. It's in the stick. It's in the cross. You throw it in the water, and your, your bitter waters become sweet. And I have to ask the Lord every week to make the water sweet for you. It's not my responsibility. It's ours. Let's read in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 40. It says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, oh and you'll want to hear this. He will dress himself for service. Come on. And have them recline at a table. Amen. And he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch. Or in the third, and finds them awake. Blessed are those servants. 
See, he comes numerous times. He gives you many chances. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We are walking into expectation now. His spirit poured out on all people. Amen. Where do your expectations lie? When you are walking with the Lord, where is your expectations? Saints, the word appeared, concurs, or appears 2,009 times in the word. It's take 209. It's safe to say God shows up. Amen. God shows up even when Adam and Eve are hiding. God shows up to Hagar in the desert. God shows up to Abram in a pagan land. God shows up for Elijah, who was contending against the prophets of Baal. God shows up for the widow who has already given her son and herself over to death. Safe to say, it's not about perfectly aligning your character so that God will show up. But how much more should we prepare ourselves who have been given his righteousness for when he does show up? Why don't we live with the expectation if he appeared to those who are not seeking him, how much more will he answer us? If we keep our lamps lit, won't he see it from a distance? And look, look, they're ready. They're ready for my wedding banquet. We are filled with anticipation as we look into the night. We can't even see him yet. But he can see us. Oh, he can see us. We won't see him until he draws near. This passage declares to us that we must keep our lamps burning for when he does come. For when he draws near, if we open the door to him, he will cause us to recline at a table and serve us. And guess what? It says he's dressing himself. He's taking the responsibility to dress himself for action. And what is his action? To serve us. What should our action be? What should our preparation look like? What type of earnestness do you long for him? We must raise our expectations for what he desires to do in this place. When he draws near, our glorious king says that he will dress himself for action to do what to serve us will you be dressed for action in the same way are you expecting a corporate manifestation of his glory are you expecting his wedding banquet so i want you guys to repeat after me now preparation preparation expectation expectation manifestation Repeat. Repeat. Come on now. <laughs> the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. He gave himself as a ransom for all. Yeah. This is the life we live. Amen. It's the king we serve. It's the king we replicate. Come on. 
and we have an expectation for him to for him to come. Amen. Saints, turn to Acts two and say corporate outpouring when you're there. Before you get there, this is what this message stirred. This message stirred in my heart, and this is where this message was birthed. We're going to look at some details here in Acts 2, verse 1. Saints, this is the desire of our hearts. This, in Acts 2, is our expectation that we must have going forward. That if he did it then, he can do it again. Oh, yeah. Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, yeah. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, all of them. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each and every one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, not some of them, but all of them, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Listen, this passage is what provoked in me the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I read this and my heart begins to stir. These people meet in this place off of a word given by Christ that he has a gift for them. Go and tarry in Jerusalem a little bit and the spirit upon high will come and rest upon you. Just as a dove rested upon Jesus, he's about to send his fire from heaven on his people. You see that all men were ready to receive all the Father had in store for them. God was ready to mark his people because there was preparation and expectation that took place. Now we see one people in one place with one heart all receiving the gift. You see that all were filled with the Holy Spirit in a corporate outpouring of the Spirit. Not one was missed because they all came seeking the same thing. Listen, I've had the opportunity and blessing of being in spirit-filled environments for a long time. And there's only a handful of times that I've been in a room where every man, woman, child is marked by the Spirit. But this must be our expectation. Mothers, your children aren't burdens. It's not only an indirect impact in His presence. We must have the expectation the Holy Spirit would meet with the three-year-old. There is no junior Holy Spirit. No junior Holy Spirit. Of course, mothers, we serve our children. Of course, we make sure they're not a distraction. But what if they were enamored with His Majesty? What if you yourself were enamored with His glory? Husbands, what if you were enamored with his glory? What if all of us were enamored with his glory? Expectation. That's right. That's our attitude. That would be great. That would be, that would be good if he wanted to do that. Lord, it would be great if he wanted to move on my child. Who said he doesn't? Wasn't John the Baptist born with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. In the womb. Our expectations must rise. It's the preparation and the expectation. You see, church, there's been a handful of times I've stood in the room with many. Not even the children could escape it, and I'm believing for the same supernatural outpouring to happen in this church 
But we must raise our expectation. Amen? Amen. And a unity of the Spirit that does not pass by man, woman, or child, but it pours corporately upon all people. You know, he wants to pour himself out. Who's making themselves like the cup? Do you hunger for that, saints? Are you hungry for it? Yeah. It's a measure for a measure, and I want to go all the way in, just as Ezekiel did in his vision. Not ankle deep, not knee deep, not waist deep, but overwhelmed with the Spirit. Some of you don't even know what that looks like. That's a good thing. It's about setting our, our, our eyes upon the majesty. I think a lot of problems with the church, especially the charismatic church these days, there's looking at forms that's happened already and are trying to replicate that. The, the, the scripture says that I've come to do a new thing. And this isn't just about doing a new thing for the sake of doing something different. No, this is a heart that's willing to say, whatever it looks like, Lord, I'm ready. And I don't close off my mind to any manifestation of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, if, if it's you, I want it. And we have to let the cynicism die. We have to have our expectation raised. And saying that the King of Glory is going to come in, I'm sure miraculous things are going to happen. Our mindset has become so supernormal whenever we're called to live a supernatural life. That comes from the natural moving of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. A lot of Pentecostals get a bad rap because they don't act naturally to the Spirit of God. This has become patterns of what the Spirit of God looked like in be moving. This is why so many people do not like operating in the Holy Spirit. Because really, it's some unnatural gift. Whenever it was supposed to come naturally by the Spirit, I'm telling you, this is a supernatural work of God here. Amen. And His Spirit is going to move naturally through His people, supernaturally. Amen. Do you want to get to a place where the gifts of God described in 1 Corinthians, speaking in tongues, prophesying, healing, yeah. raising the dead, becomes natural yeah. in our walk? Yeah. Like we naturally do these things. Yeah. Then we must behold the King. Our expectation is like a cup, and it grows to become greater and greater vessels of his glory. Let it then, church, be that our cry is like that of Moses. Again, Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. What if all of us prayed like that, and we meant it? Please show me your glory, Lord. It's been a long time. I need it. Right now. Let this be the cry of every man, woman, and child in this room this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let our expectation, before we ever step into the room, meaning this room or any room or any other room that God ever sets you in, because we should expect him to move everywhere. But today is about a corporate outpouring. Our expectation is that God wants to heal, redeem, transform, and touch hearts everywhere we go, especially in this room. Do your eyes burn in the way that his eyes burn for us? We must raise our expectation again, saints. Amen? Yeah. Amen. This past week, the Lord has been wrecking me. As I, ever since I got to here at Remnant, my 
plate has grown tremendously. And while I've been here, I've struggled finding intimacy with the Father, with the Lord. This past week, that changed. I, uh, I really, the Lord corrected me and showed me that I've been making an idol out of sleep. That in the past, he was able to sustain me whenever I would stay up late or whenever I would get up early and I had a lack of sleep. And he said, Caleb, you can remember it in your mind, but you don't walk it out by faith anymore. And so that completely changed the trajectory of my life as I repented before the Lord. And you see this in Hebrews 4.16. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, Amen. that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. We can have the confidence to go to the Lord when, when you've had idols put above him. You can have, when you've laid them down and you repented, you can come confidently to the throne of grace, yeah. boldly to the throne of grace, expecting him yeah. to forgive you, even if we don't deserve it, because he's good. Amen. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What? Confidence that we have in him and the expectation that we have his ear. That when we speak as his saints, as his sons, and as his daughters, he's going to hear us. Yeah. Because he's a good father, and he knows what you need. Amen. We read in Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? Now, you can take that as the whole sermon before this. If God is for us, who can be against Amen. us? Amen. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Golly, we need to raise our expectation. God is seeking to make his glory known in this place. And he can do it. If we are seeking to make his glory and his wedding banquet known to all, he will do it. Yeah. Amen. For if God is for us, then who can be against us? And if we are for him, what is outside of our reach? Rise up, church. Yeah. Amen. Raise your expectation. Amen. Which is your confidence. We are living too low when our glorious king is calling us to a higher standard. Yeah. He walks amongst the lampstands, yeah. not the dead people. To this point of the message, we're going to move towards corporate manifestation. The whole point of it. Yeah. Before we get there, Let's recap. You have to have correct preparation and correct expectation, and it will yield a corporate outpouring of the Spirit. Amen? Yeah. Somebody say preparation. preparation. Somebody say expectation. expectation. Who's ready for the corporate outpouring? I am. Joel 2, 28-29. And it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Oh, yeah. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. 
I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like the apostles only receiving it. Oh, get him. Get him. Get him. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody going to get it. Everybody. <laughs> don't hide your kids. Don't hide your wife. But keep your lamps burning so they may too participate in the wedding feast. Amen. Of the Lamb. Amen. Mark 16, 14 through 18. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven uh, themselves as they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Wow. Their expectations were low. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I believe our bodies, the ones who believe and are baptized and will be with the groom on the wedding day. These signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink any dirt, deadly poison, and it will not hurt them. Let's go. Yeah. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We are living the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy and Mark 16 Hallelujah. today. Yeah. The Spirit is waiting for you to be bold and to come with the expectation that he will use you. When you have the right preparation the right expectation, then he can use you to outpour his spirit through the signs mentioned in Mark, six, in Mark 16. And here's the signs. I'm going to recap them again, right? And these are what you as saints and believers, as his sons and his daughters, get to operate in. Casting out demons. Speaking in new tongues. Anyone not speak Spanish like me? Because I would love to be able to do that. Pick up serpents with their hands and it not hurt them like Paul whenever he just shook it off and it didn't affect him. Drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them. I'm sure that's out of ignorance, not purposely. Lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Who else wants to see an outpouring of a spirit where the sick and the lame, the paralytics, are being raised up? The dead is being raised up in this place. Lord, we live in a place where all of Denton and America, the world, is in bondage. There are people that are being oppressed that need to be set free. There are people who are paralyzed who need to see the manifestation of his presence, but it can't be done if it's not done through you. God uses his people to pour out his spirit. And you have to prepare yourself and have the right expectation that he can use you to do it. Before we move on from that scripture, everyone's like, you can feel it in the room. Cast out demons, yeah! Speak in tongues, yeah! Pick up serpents! That's some weird stuff. <laughs> but who's ready for some correction? Imagine you get shipwrecked on a, sn a snake infested island. You get bit. Do you want the power for that snake to have no harm to you? Yeah. When we read the scriptures, we imply our own American lens on it. When we think snake-bitten, we think people's hand on serpents, we think Kentucky uh, Pentecostals, jerkers. And I'm not for that stuff. What I am for, though, is for open hearts to any way that the Holy Spirit would want to move. When we read the scripture, we actually think snake-bitten, that's kind of stupid. Uh, drinking poison, I would never do that. That would be ignorant. Yeah. 
Yeah, but what if you're on the mission field and, and you get caught and they make you drink poison? Would you want the Holy Spirit to help you? Okay, then we must repent of haughtiness in the room this morning that says the Holy Spirit would never work in that way. I would never be in that place. I'll never have that happen to me. Coming into this message, we uh, are prepared that the spirit of religion and pride won't be in you guys today. <laughs> but we're, we're making things clear, right? Do you have limitations on how much the Holy Spirit can move in your life? Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. The answer is yes, yes, and it has to die today. Amen. Let's read in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. As they gathered together to pray, the place where they were staying was shaken. When his glory, when his wedding banquet comes, what can be shaken will be shaken. Amen. And what remains is caught up in the manifestation as he draws near. When he enters the room, it empowers us to speak the word of God in boldness. When he enters, he has dressed himself for action. And he desires to display his glory at the banquet. As we eat and drink, he desires to display his glory, to draw near. And he can do it. We come with preparation and expectation, and he will do it. It's a guarantee. We should come with preparation and expectation every day with a word, and God will match our eagerness with his manifestation. Amen. No one should walk in here just chilling, just doing nothing. <laughs> Nobody gave you an excuse to do that. <laughs> We want to see his manifest glory in this place. We desire for there to be such a heavy presence that people are pulling over on Luke 288 because we are praying. They walk in and they see a vision. Man, this place looks like a wedding banquet. These people are eating and drinking of something I can't see. The wedding banquet is not time to put your clothes on and get ready. It's time to experience him in the depth of his love. Reading in the next verse, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. At his glory, as his glory appeared, they became of one heart. And guess what? God cured them of selfishness. Praise him. <laughs> At his love feast, there is unity. At his banquet, there is men and women full of generosity. What type of example does that show to the world? Especially in a time of famine, in a time of a poor economy. 
When he enters, he creates an environment of serving and not selfishness. All it took was gathering together in prayer with preparation and expectation. That's pretty easy, huh? (laughs) But are we willing to do that? Are we willing to come in prepared and with eager expectation? Or will you stay asleep in sorrow? Pastor Landon? For the one who stays asleep, the master will say, I don't know you. Get him out of here. Go. You have no place at my wedding feast. Go ahead. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans and you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts. So he's expounding upon what we saw in, in Matthew earlier. But the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all. Hallelujah. To everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Amen. For the corporate body and for everybody else. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit yeah. who apportions to each one individually as he wills Come on. and as he fans them into flame and he asks for them with expectation. Yeah, when we prepare ourselves individually and have right expectations, then, he will, then we will see the manifestation of his glory in our body. Hallelujah. And when it comes to our body, we can take it out there. Those manifestations that Dylan mentioned earlier, when Adam and Eve were hiding, the presence of God showed up. When Hagar was in the desert, the presence of God showed up. Elijah contending against the prophets of Baal, the fire came down from heaven on a completely soaked altar of water. That's supernatural. (laughs) supernatural. But as we see in 1 Corinthians, he shows up through us all. He shows up through us, you, his bride. Wow. When God wants something done, he uses you to do it. Amen. We're going to read now in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 11. Somebody say corporate manifestation. Corporate manifestation. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. While the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. His desire for us today is that he would display his covenant to us at the wedding banquet. To display his manifest glory on his glorious wedding day. All have been invited to participate in this wedding banquet. 
Where he longs to see your lamps lit so that he can draw close. Oh, they ready. It's time. Our God seen in this passage in Deuteronomy burns on his holy mountain with fire to the heart of heaven. It is our expectation that we would do the same result today. That we would look to our God burning on his holy mountain and say, I want to burn like that. What will happen in that instance is his covenant will be manifest in the land. His covenant will be made known to the people in this region. That all in this place would burn to the very heart of heaven. And if we raise our expectations in that way, one prominent thing that will manifest is his commandment, his covenant, his directions, his leadership. We are witnesses to our God burning with expectation for us. That's what it was. I mean, Mount Sinai was a a proposal. It was a wedding. We are witnesses of that fact. He's already burned for us. It's time to reciprocate. This passage declares that you saw no form. There was only a voice. How much more then when he comes to your door and knocks? What can be revealed in that parable? As we read, he longs to come and have us recline at the table and serve us in a manifest way. What does the manifestation of his glory, his wedding banquet, look like in this place? We will not see all the things that happened to us at first happen over and over again. Or we will see those things happen over and over again. Does that make you, like, sad or something? That that'll just keep happening in perpetual glory? You're like, man, I'm trying trying to switch things up. And God's like, I'm trying to perpetuate it for generations. Jeez. Today, we will burn with preparation, expectation, to see a manifestation of his feast here in this city. Amen. We have given you the keys to help you understand how God draws near. Oh, he sees that lamp burning and it's time to go. But how will you respond when God dresses himself for action? It's time for action. We, will you remain undressed? Will you remain cold and callous? Will you remain living week by week with zero preparation for his outpouring? Uh, We're just back to this again, and I'm unprepared, I'm undressed, and I'm practically getting thrown out of here because I'm not experiencing anything, and everybody else is. Let's go ahead and read Matthew 26, verse 26 together. Now say it with me. Preparation. Preparation. Expectation. Expectation. Oh, manifestation. Manifestation. Matthew 26, verse 26. Who enjoys taking communion on Thursday nights? Yeah. We're nearing a close, and we're going to talk about communion for a minute. There will be an altar call today. You better prepare yourself. Be ready with an expectation. Verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, 
Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, somebody say many, many. for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with my Father's kingdom, the wedding supper of the Lamb. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the mountain of olives. You see, the disciples are taking communion with Jesus. The symbolism is getting unraveled here. Take the bread, eat of my body, and drink the wine, the representation of my blood sang a hymn, and they moved forward. Later on in Paul's letters, he encourages believers to take communion together as we do every Thursday night. But here, we see a corporate communion with the blood and body of Jesus. Just as we will do in the marriage supper of the Lamb. He asks us to commune with him through his blood and body and the spirit, which he's pouring out like water on all peoples. Check it out, 28. Again, this is my blood of the covenant, which I poured out on many for the forgiveness of sins. Listen, we're going to look back at a parable in Matthew 22. And remember the parable we read earlier. Verse 8. He said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite the banquet Anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. At the Lord's banquet table sits both good and bad, but it is the wine which heals them. What do you do at a wedding feast? You eat and you drink. What were they drinking? The wine. They're in celebration with the wine. And the good and bad are drinking the wine now. And guess what's starting to happen to them? They're being healed by the blood. Who has ever been deserving to stand before the Lord? Who's ever been worthy but the blood and the Lamb of God? Yet he invites all of us to eat and drink of his body, a message that scared many of his followers away. Even Judas was at the Last Supper, but he resembled a man without the wedding garments on. God will take your good, bad, and ugly, but you must have your wedding clothes on. You must have your lamps oiled and have an anticipation in your heart to meet your Redeemer, the one whose blood covers a remission of sins. Today, we have to focus in on that. We've all been invited to a wedding banquet. We're in the wedding rehearsal, and the last supper of the Lamb is coming. I want all of you to take part in it. But guess what? We get to take part today in the rehearsal. And the spirit and the bride, they are here. They say come. Landon, you can come up. Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come. And let those who hear him say, come. And let those who are thirsty, come. Come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price, come. Come 
Stand up with me. If today you want to be dressed and ready, the Spirit says come. And you can come to this altar this morning. Not to wait for anybody. If you are looking for an impact right now, like we were talking about at the beginning, a paradigm shift, the Spirit says come. If you are ready, 